0: Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore, Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors.
1: Hi, I'm Adriana Scory. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner and CEO of Kids Who Explore.
0: I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Well-Being, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag, patch for a purpose, to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag, patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit
1: www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. We love repeat guests because we get to dive even deeper into their lives. And with Jason Kate Kelly, there is so much more to dive into. The Australian family of four, who lives on an ultra remote island called Upi in the Solomon Islands, run an ethical tourist resort and a grassroots-based charity centered around protecting the incredible natural environment and traditional islander way of life. Today, we wanted to chat with them about a life with less things and more experiences. Thanks for joining us again today at 4.30am.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Happy to be here. <laughs> such chance last time we talked, we asked what your
0: favorite purchase under hundred dollars in the last few months was at the very end of our chat. And you said, not only would it take months for something to arrive, but the shipping alone would be over a hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> and all I could think, That's right. of, oh my goodness, they're leaving us on a cliffhanger. <laughs> so we needed to talk more about that. Your world is one that many of our Explorer families and listeners are probably very unfamiliar with in a world where we can just click buy now and it will arrive at our doorstep in less than 24 hours. So <laughs> would you call yourselves minimalist in a way?
3: Yeah, I think definitely would be. Yeah, minimalist. aspiring minimalist,
2: minimalist for sure. Yeah. We, um, it's sort of out of necessity. I think when you live in such a remote location, uh, we do live in a very small home. And, yeah, he just – I think he – you multi-purpose everything in your life. Like yeah. I noticed it the, the most with the kids, like recently just having being, kids. Yeah. Being back in Australia right now, you see that a lot of the times they're playing with things that are purpose built for an activity. So it's a you know, a set of toys that makes coffee or something like that. Whereas our kids at home would go find three blocks of coffee and build a coffee machine, get a couple of, I don't know.
3: Three blocks of coffee,
2: three blocks of oh gosh, like, you can tell it's four AM, <laughs> three blocks of timber. <laughs>
3: They're very creative kids because yeah. they don't have, like, you know, here you can go to a department store and buy a plastic coffee machine. Yeah, We wouldn't normally do that. Someone just gifted us one to play with sort of temporarily while the kids are here, and they love it. But I know that at home they would they would play that exact same game out of something they've already got. That was, That's what you're trying to say. That was said
2: far more succinctly than I did. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I think also UPI is the kind of place where, You have to be very intentional with what you bring to the island because once it's there, you have to deal with it in its entirety. So if you decide you don't want something, the disposal of that item becomes your problem as well. So it's at the forefront of everything. And you have to think about the consequences down the line of, of getting something all the way to the island What is it going to be used for? How long is it going to last? How is it made? What is it, you know, what's the effective disposing of that on the island? And that's important when it comes to kids' toys as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think being surrounded as well by communities that have so little and do so much with what little they have, it's like the constant inspiration that you need just to have what you need and not have anything else. And you get reminded of it every single time you leave the island and you come back to a place like Australia and yeah, you just see the overwhelming amount of consumerism that's going on around you.
3: And I think similar to what a lot of minimalists, true minimalists, I don't know if we can call ourselves that, but a lot of people who aspire to be quite minimal in the things that they use. One thing you have to face is what you say to people who want to give you things and we, we have that in the extreme where people want to send us things or they see what little we have and they want to give us more. And that's something that I guess we've grown into as parents is being able to say, actually, we don't really want plastic toys or we don't want bulk toys. We've already got something similar that we can use in that way. But maybe, you know, this is something that we need instead that could be more purposeful on the island
0: how do you find Does that make sense? what reaction to that is
3: depends who it is
2: <laughs> yeah you can't we always just sort of go with the oh you know it's really hard to get things up here um, we've got a lot of stuff already we do live in a small house so what just choose something small that you think the kids would love something that they can keep in their room and try and use a few of those keywords so people are like oh cool don't buy them the six foot tall doll house or you know Yeah,
3: and it, it can be really awkward and sometimes we feel like those people that are impossible to buy for because we kind of are yeah in a way
2: but that's kind of okay as well because our kids have so much like they in their bedroom is you know the toys that they use inside but they just walk outside and they literally have the world's best playground on their doorstep Mm -hmm. so and people kind of know that people who know us know that so
1: yeah it's true Let's uh, talk about your closets. So what do they look like and where do you purchase your clothes from? (laughs)
3: Um, Most of our clothes would come from Australia. We've got a few really good friends that we're really grateful for that have older children than ours, which is wonderful. So we've got a couple of friends who send us hand-me-downs. Love a good hand me down And our kids each have one drawer and they're both quite full. I'm not going to deny that. They're quite full of clothing because we do wear a lot of clothes on the island. It's sort of multiple changes a day just because of how hot it is or how wet we get if it happens to be a tropical day. But most of the clothing, we would go through the kids stuff every couple of months and move things on to the village. So one thing I absolutely love about being able to donate clothes back home is that there are so many people in need and lots of kids. So it's super easy to go through the clothing drawers every so often and just clear it out, get it down to what we really need to keep and pass things on. So I often feel like that bad friend who takes all the hand-me-downs but then never gives anything back (laughs) back to our like Aussie family and friends because it all ends up in the villages back home. And the same with our clothing.
2: My clothing doesn't survive. Sorry, darling, that's not true.
3: Well, you, yeah.
2: My my clothing disintegrates before it leaves.
3: (laughs) But lucky (laughs) yeah it gets well loved for sure but it goes
2: through the okay I can wear it in front of other people no I can only wear it to a job site no it's no longer wearable by any person ever that's true
3: (laughs) and I'm kind of the one in the family who I love clothing my mum's a seamstress I've always had amazing clothing high quality clothing but I'm the same now in that I will choose my favorite things and wear them to death, including bikinis. I'm really intentional with the swimwear that I buy for us and the kids. We buy stuff that's going to last as long as possible because we wear it every single day, if not multiple times a day. And when it gets to the point that I'm ready to change it out, I pass it on. And our kid, Solomon, mum, Miriam, she's the same size as me. So she's pretty lucky. She scores a lot of my my clothes that I'm not wearing as often and yeah it all just sort of gets passed around doesn't it
2: but it's still we would so our closet would be 1.2 meters wide with three drawers and a a hanging space above and that's what Katie and I share yeah and then the kids would have two drawers we always meant to build two
3: but we never did and now we realize we don't need it
0: you don't need it. Oh, that is amazing. So, like high quality, wear it and love it. And then with kids stuff, it just they grow so quickly. Pass it down. Yeah, pass mm-hmm. it on. Oh, great. So what, what about, about gear? Like such as your stand up paddleboard which I know you guys love, and diving gear and those kind of things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Quality is key. Where we are, it really doesn't matter what it is. You have to buy the highest quality everything or it just disintegrates around you. It We always sort of say it's funny, like OOPI should actually be like a product testing site mm-hmm. because we can show you how to break anything.
3: Yeah, conditions like, are fail, extreme. We
2: will show you how that product will fail. So you always have to buy top quality gear and And, which doesn't
3: always mean the most expensive but it just yeah tried and tested products that tend to survive the conditions because it's so hot and humid with things like stand-up paddle boards you have to you have to really look after your gear you have to make sure you're not leaving it out in the sun because otherwise the glues and the, the seams on boards like that will just disintegrate a lot quicker so far We've been pretty lucky with the boards we've got at the moment. They've been doing really well.
2: Yeah, we've got some new boards, which is really amazing. It's allowed us to explore a lot further.
3: (laughs) And They're called Honu Brand, uh, Honu Boards, H-O-N-U, which is actually an Australian company, but inspired by a Hawaiian name, I think. Mm. And the reason we ended up going with that board is because the technology that they're using in their boards for durability and their Values surrounded around the ocean because we share a lot of similar values about um, about using products that have longevity. And when we spoke to the owner of that particular brand, I remember him saying, "Oh, look, you know your conditions are pretty extreme. We can't guarantee anything." And I was like, "Well, send it here. We'll test it for you." <laughs> and one of our boards blew away in a storm. There's actually a video about this on YouTube. It's called "The Great Adventure of Dusky the Sup." It blew away in a storm. And we went looking for it. I was so devastated. And how far did we get? 20 Yeah, kilometers? so I travelled
2: about 20 kilometres down the lagoon in about 70 kilometres per, so like per hour winds, so like 50-mile-per-hour winds. In the night,
3: wildest conditions. Over reefs,
2: over islands. And... We didn't actually find it that day.
3: We were out for about four or five hours in the rain and rough seas looking for the board. Katie
2: crying. I
3: was bawling. I was so (laughs) sad because they're quite new. And, again, we'd waited months to get them. It was a Christmas gift we'd bought for each other. And then they got there, I think, in March (laughs) right before we came back to Oz. And, yeah, I was absolutely heartbroken. It's making me tear up now. But
2: and We found her. We
3: found her. The yeah. next, well, we uh, didn't. Someone else about did. About
2: four days later, I got a phone call through the coconut wireless. The news had got out that you know this this board was missing and Katie had lost her her stand up paddle board. And we got this phone call saying, oh, you might want to go drive around so and so's place and um, just check it out and see if he's got it. So. I drove down that afternoon and there's this pink stand-up paddleboard sitting in an overwater canoe house. So there's like a traditional dugout canoe and then Katie's stand-up paddleboard and this tiny little leaf house out over the water. A squid <laughs> this,
3: fisherman had and found it.
2: And found it. He was out fishing right where we were, literally where we stopped um, searching. He found it about an hour later, thought it was a PVC pipe floating out in the ocean, found it and thought, oh, this doesn't seem like it just happened to be here. You know, so he hooked it onto his canoe and paddled it home another like ten kilometres, <laughs> and then put it into his, into his canoe house and thought, "Yeah, someone will hear that I've got it. Someone will come <laughs> find it." And we did.
3: <laughs> so we got it back, and the thing had been blowing around, rolling over coral reef, probably like blown into an island at some point. It had a few scratches and dings but it was still in perfect condition five days later when we got it back so anyway the point of that story was like this product is truly durable we were so impressed that it hadn't even sprung a leak or anything like that it was still in top-notch condition so yeah we're we're very happy with the boards we've got at the moment Um,
2: and they're really light super light,
3: a really good product. And, and I guess this is sort of point in case for our Christmas gift. That's what, that's the sort of things we buy for each other. Things that we can use that are going to last a long time that are going to encourage us to take family adventures because stand up paddle boarding with kids is a lot of fun.
1: It's a really good
3: way to explore.
1: Amazing. So you do own a car. Then you said, when you are driving to get a paddle board,
2: this is driving in a boat oh, for sorry. four hours. In a boat. <laughs> so Dan, we don't
1: have a car. <laughs> oh, you don't have a car. Okay, sorry, <laughs> my my assumption on that. Okay, <laughs> so, do you sh- so do you share a car at all or you just don't? You just go
3: No, on the... so on Upi, the resort, the island is only two and a half kilometers long, but the resort only occupies about 400 meters of that, and it's all just walking pathways. So the only vehicle we have is Jace's tiny little bobcat excavator.
1: Yeah, oh. so the, is that a vehicle?
3: We Not get sure, around yeah. the lagoon,
2: which is the <laughs> so we live on the we live on the longest saltwater lagoon in the world. So. There's over 100 islands that all make up this. Archipelago. No, that no, lagoon? It? it's a lagoon. <laughs> the Solomons is an archipelago. Um, It's about 70 nautical miles long. So it's all semi-open water in between the islands. And then on the other side of the lagoon, we have open ocean. So, yeah, it blew down the lagoon. So it blew for 20 kilometres down the ocean, over reefs, through islands.
0: Crazy. Yeah. So we're Check out the
2: episode. It'll uh, it'll yeah, make it so really so clear. Funny. There's a map and all
0: <laughs> Are your kids shocked then when they go to Australia and they're in car seats and in cars? Is it such a different experience? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so
3: traveling back recently was incredible. The kids. So when we left Australia last time, Ophelia was five months and Arlo was not even two. So neither of them really have like massive memories. Well, Philly has none, but Arlo probably remembers a tiny bit, but even still, he doesn't have great memories of being back here. So arriving in the capital in the Solomons in Honiara, they were blown away by the cars there coming in and out of the airport, you know, oh, mummy, look at this truck, 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 like pointing out every single car and truck. And I just remember thinking on the way back, oh, here we go. Like, this is just the beginning. The kids have been so self-entertained in the car, talking to each other about the other cars that they see Mm,
2: that there's just so
3: many cars and how fast we're going. And yeah, they've been really good about getting into their car seats and just having a really good time chatting with one another about everything they're seeing on the side of the road and on the road. and
2: I've been pretty shocked, though, at how unoverwhelmed overwhelmed they are. Like, kids just take everything in their stride. They do. Like, so they've gone from really not seeing very many other people, like maybe in the last two and a half years, they would have seen, other than when we had to evacuate for the medical emergency, they would have seen 30 people in two yeah. and a half years to being surrounded, you know, being in a massive airport with aeroplanes flying in and out.
3: Shopping There's centers. a train
2: there. There's a car park with, you know, 3,000 cars getting on, an, on a big motorway and doing 110 mm. down a motorway with cars zooming everywhere. And they're just like sitting there just looking taking in their stride and pointing
3: everything out to us
2: yeah like they're just even the next morning like they they weren't ever overwhelmed they just like okay cool we're here now yeah this is the new norm and you're like it blows my mind how quickly they adapt they've and how adjusted they just,
0: easier than i have i think yeah definitely but good on you guys because we always say that kids feed off our energy so you're obviously giving them really good energy <laughs>
3: maybe i mean i'm not getting as much energy over the diggers <laughs> the kids are like digger 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 (laughs) digger
2: I feel like it's the one commonality between you had this tiny little excavator there that we used for doing work around the island and then they obviously there's a lot of roadworks always around major motorways and stuff so yeah
3: but no they have adjusted really well maybe it is a sign that we're we're doing something right
1: (laughs) I don't know
0: pat yourself on the back (laughs) I know we briefly touched on your kids toys But Mm -hmm. can you talk a bit more about that? Like, do you put a limit on, I know you said gifts, but a limit too on how many toys or do you do any sort of toy rotation or any sort of policy with that? Yeah,
3: we, um, we definitely on a regular basis go through the toys that we have. We at the moment we're living in a very small space, yeah.
2: Australia is completely different because it's not our space, and it is, you know, and also it's been a very long time since the kids' grandmother have seen them, so there's a bit of an overwhelming number. Probably when we arrive back, but even those, a lot of those have rotated out already and been given yeah. to some of their cousins. At UPI, I feel like your threshold is like the two bucket threshold, yeah.
3: We have a couple like of two buckets. laundry tubs, you know, like those bendy buckets that you can get. Um, we have I'm two not sure of if those in North America, but- Oh yeah, true. True in Canada, um, we have two two largish buckets. One's kind of got their soft toys, and we call it their friends. So any character kind of toys that they use for different activities, which I find they harder to grow out of those in our experience so far. I mean, the kids are two and four, but it's hard to give up something that you know they they have this like kind of little friendship with and. That little toy will sit and watch them do an activity. Those things, they seem to find harder to give up, as you guys probably know. Um, But the other things that are in the other bucket are things that have evolved with them through the different stages of their development. And as we get to a point where we're like, oh, I don't think you guys are using that one anymore, I think we could give that to someone. And we usually try and make a connection with somebody who's got a child younger or at a certain developmental age where the kids can make that association and go, oh yeah, that would be useful for this child because they're going to be learning that. And so we can give, we can pass that on. So we do that probably.
2: I'd say you do that once a month.
3: Yeah. Every time I am in the kids' room and I think this is too much stuff. I'm overwhelmed. Let's get rid of some things. So it's pretty frequent for us.
2: Yeah, but most of our most of what our kids play with is timber offcuts from our um, construction work that's like probably the main toy set of toys that they have and at the moment it's a little bit out of control just because we have so much space in the resort with no guests so they actually have a large area up at the restaurant bar main house area and
3: which wouldn't normally it, be their yeah, it would, space to normally play Wouldn't
2: be a, a play area at all and they've got a few tubs there of you know Uh, tongue and groove flooring and rebated walling pieces and offcuts cuts of uh, timber frames and stuff. And they just build cities with this every day and they have all sorts of interactive games that they play with it. And that's really, really good for them because it also gets them out of the house so they can do it out in the backyard. They can do it up on the deck there. And yeah, that that's a really creative outlet for them. They love that.
1: Even you they'll know they'll have to
2: go though. That can't we can't keep that long term when the resort opens because <laughs> once we've got clients people in be house. tripping over, you know, the uh <laughs> The timber complex as they go to get the gin and tonic or something
3: Yeah, but <laughs> even feasible. those, even those things, we have at times cleared some stuff out and donated a heap of stuff to the local kindy as well because the kindy is pretty under resourced.
2: Yeah, actually, good, the kindy. Arlo, actually, because he goes to the kindy, so he wants to also anything that's not being used, he wants to gift it to the kindy so that the other kids that he knows and interacts with have that experience as yeah, well. Yeah,
3: the kindy is a fantastic example of minimalism. They have. The extreme of very little but what they do with what they have is extraordinarily impressive almost to the point where you know obviously we're coming from a place of privilege and being able to get get things that we want even if it takes a long time to get them we can get those things to us on the island whereas the local kindy is extremely under-resourced and has virtually no support so although it's a it's a public facility it's not supported really by the government and even any resources that do come through, they go to the primary school, not to the kindy. So when I first started attending, I was a little bit shocked by how little there was. And my initial reaction was, Oh my gosh, I could, I could just buy so much for this kindy and get so much stuff here. But then when you take a step back and observe what they are actually achieving with shells and sticks and leaves they're crafting out of nature, they're counting with shells, they're playing group activities with sticks and leaves and things. And a lot of the core learnings are still there. The things that, you know, you would hope your child might be exposed to in in a traditional kindergarten, they're getting those things there. But it's just different. And you've got to sort of stop yourself from wanting to to fix it or to change it in a way because the moment you introduce things that don't have I guess like don't the, fit the
2: system they don't
3: fit their system or mm. they're not long lasting. Like I don't I'm very against donating things that turn to trash really quickly because to me that that's such a shame to interfere with a system that works really well with the natural things that they they find and it doesn't mean that. There aren't things we can do to improve upon it, but I'm just very conscious about what it is that we do to help them out there.
1: Absolutely. So are you guys still moving into a new home, like a bigger space? Yeah, we're <laughs> still building in? it. Oh, you're still building it. Okay. And how's that going? <laughs> well, Right now, well, we're so not it, there.
2: <laughs> we're not there, but actually the... Um,
1: the roof
3: went on.
2: Yeah, yeah. The roof got put on after we left because... We had a bit of a crazy departure from the island. Um, It's a whole different story. But, um, yeah, we are moving into a new space. It is definitely a little sanctuary that we need as a family. And the most important thing for us is that by the time the resort opens again, that we have a space that the kids can be, you know, in their safe space where they can be themselves. They can have a meltdown if they need to. They can, you know, express all their emotions and not be in the resort Because it's been a very long time since we've had that balance between, you know, having toddlers and having guests. And I guess when you don't, it doesn't evolve naturally. We're a little bit like, okay, the kids have a pre-established norm on OOPI now. And we need to make sure that it's not a huge, massive shock to their system as well when we then have you know, 20 people rotating through the resort every four to five days.
3: Yeah, it's a very healthy need, decision to yeah, be moving. They
2: needed a space to escape, to For us as well, we needed a little bit more space because we live right in the middle of the resort. So that was fine when, you know, it
3: was just the we two didn't of have, us.
2: Geez, it was just the two. And even with one young, ch- you know, like a, a one year old, it was doable. But yeah, not with two toddlers. Yeah. So. so
3: our current house is between. We're sort of nestled on the water between the main house restaurant, the workshop, and then the, the guest boat. bungalows, Well, and then the boathouse, but then the guest bungalows are a little bit further down. So our new house is actually beyond all of the guest accommodation and up into the jungle and completely private. So you you actually feel like you're you're, in not, in little, the resort. you're not in the resort yeah. at all.
1: Um, okay, so is there yeah. any other areas of your home that you're interested in talking about and how to keep it minimal?
3: Everything in our house is minimal <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and I mean, even though we're building a bigger home, we still very much intend to keep things yeah. at what we need to be functional and tidy. Our current home, we we just have two main bedroom spaces and our bedroom, Jason and I, our actual bed is in the same room as our office and a kitchenette so we don't actually have a full kitchen we've we've just got basically a sink a coffee machine and a a thermomix
2: yeah the big change for us will definitely be space to be inside with the kids whilst doing day-to-day life activities like cooking like at the moment we can't cook and be with the kids because we cook in a huge commercial kitchen and you can't just have the kids you know Running around playing games.
3: Yeah. So um, we safely. have to go up to the restaurant kitchen to be able to prepare like a typical meal. And I mean, then someone desktop.
2: else is then looking after the kids yeah. at that same time. So that that's the main thing. But it's really funny designing your own home is such a different experience from, I guess, purchasing something and moving into it. Because, like, we would, when we're doing layouts and stuff like that, like, other people look at it and they're like, oh, but where's the where's the linen cupboard and where's the this and where's the that and where's, oh, are you sure? That's a pretty small, like you need, definitely need more, like <laughs> you're saying, cupboard space in um, or dresser space in your bedroom. I'm like, well, no, because we don't own anything. We don't, we don't want to keep more stuff in the house. So yeah. it is. And like- it's
3: also the environment. I think over there, if you have too much stuff, it perishes. Yeah. Like if you're not, even with clothing, if you're not wearing it, it gets moldy and really yucky really quick so you're better off just having the things that you really need and use all the time and having an effective space to store them even it's the same with food and pantry items and yeah. you have to be able to turn that stuff over otherwise in those extreme conditions things perish and go yucky but our current space our current living space is so small that it's almost like living on a boat that's what it feels like I feel a like.
2: small boat like on a boat <laughs>
0: Yeah, because we're surrounded by water. Yeah, I I love though that you're keeping your new space still super intentional and purposeful for what you guys want. Yeah,
2: Yeah. definitely. And the the biggest part of the new house is actually the veranda or the, like we'd call it a deck. So there's there's two two indoor spaces, one which is a bit private to have an actual office and a laundry and a bit of space in the separate. (laughs) Katie's very excited about having an actual laundry (laughs) in a separate part of the building, but then interconnecting the two is a very, very large undercover outdoor area. And because you're in such an amazing location, that's where all the time is going to be spent. And for us, that's, you know... That's where we want to live. Yeah. And so that's, that's probably, I'd say almost half the of size that. of the entire house is just this outdoor, indoor sort of living space. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: can wait for that video. Okay. So going back to food, I know you guys eat a lot of fresh produce and fish you've caught yourself, right? Can you talk a bit about your meal planning and what meals, meals and snacks look like?
3: Yeah.
2: That's your, we're, we're really
3: realizing a lot about our lifestyle back home. Now that we're currently in Australia, Australia is, uh, and I mean, any developed place is so convenient, but we are really missing I guess our life back home, everything is made from scratch. So you do have to plan ahead a little bit. We're really fortunate that Jace's mum is an amazing cook and she does a lot of the hard work for us a lot of the time. So she often will bake our bread and tortillas and things like that because everything, absolutely everything, has to be made from scratch. So, yeah, I guess over there it's all fresh produce as much as possible, fresh fish. We, We often go with what is available at the time. So if we've got lots of veggies, then we'll eat lots of veggies. And when we need seafood or a protein source on the island at the moment in these COVID times when we've had less resources, it's we're very, very dependent on what we can catch in the ocean. And sometimes that means we think, okay, we're going to have fish for dinner tonight. Let's go out and get fish. But Jason and I will go out spearfishing for four or five hours and maybe get nothing or maybe get one fish. And it's sort of like get home and then deal with whatever happens to be, you know, you may not get what you hope for. And then you just have to have veggies for dinner again. And that's fine.
2: But it's been really different during COVID times because we, yeah, ha- we haven't had that stock of that backup food that you're like, oh, it's okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just have this, we'll just have that. Not that we ever had a lot of that, but, yeah, we just had less in the fridge, less in the pantry. So yeah, cooking a lot more day-to-day, we used, luckily we had an enormous supply of chickpeas and lentils and dried things like that, like I'm talking like 60 kilos of each mm-hmm. because the resort would normally consume that over a three-month period and we don't rotate food in from Australia for. It only we do that every three months. So we had a lot of that, which was our like backup food. So if something went wrong, it was like, okay, what can chickpeas we make out again? of chickpeas? <laughs> and from the ocean, we are extraordinarily picky and conservative yeah. about what and selective about what we harvest so we would only ever harvest something that we want to eat that is an appropriate size also for the children because certain seafood you can't harvest once it reaches a certain size certain fish once they get to a certain size aren't safe for children to eat so yeah it's not like you just walk out and go catch any fish and throw it on the plate that's not not how we sort of operate and we also don't like to freeze fish because we're kind of fish snobs, really. After living my entire life, we are on total own, seafood snobs. Um, we really don't. We do. We'll fr- freeze seafood if we have to, but we definitely prefer to eat it fresh. So we would just take what we need really for that meal, and maybe one more if we can find enough. Yeah. So it's it's really planning day to day. We do try and batch meals if we're cooking mm. with something like chickpeas or lentils, something that you can freeze down again because it's essential to you survive on your sanity as a parent. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I think it just really comes down to what we have on hand. Like some weeks we'll go and we'll market garden that we purchase or harvest ourselves from, we'll only have like capsicums, peppers. So for that week, basically like, like everything will be centered around peppers, peppers. peppers. <laughs> because yeah. it's like the one vegetable that we have a, a heap of that week.
3: And it's the same with uh, sometimes foods, you know, if we get At the moment, because there's so few of us on the island, if we get a huge bunch of bananas, so I'm talking like the whole bunch of bananas off a tree and there's only six of us or seven of us Mm. at the moment. Well, we're not there, so there's less, but there's so few of us that we can't eat an entire bunch of ripe bananas, so we would freeze them all down and that would mean we'd be able to make like banana ice cream. Yeah. So make fruit ice creams if we've got the frozen fruit or that'll mean more smoothies or something like that because that's what's available and that's what we've got a lot of.
2: Yeah. I think from Katie's perspective like, and well, both our perspective, but Katie sort of started this focus in our family around not just using what's available to us today, but also with stuff that we do have stored. It's all whole grains. It's no refined sugar. It's trying to remove every possible number <laughs> from every yeah. product that we use. Yeah. That's and kind that's of-
3: something we've really experienced being back here Um, I'm happy to share, I've had some really significant allergies and there's something that we haven't been able to put our finger on what the trigger is, but it seems to be something like an additive or a preservative or something in foods here. And it's really difficult to identify, but it makes you realize how much how how easy it is in the developed world to consume things that you don't even know what's in it. And that's just the opposite of life for us back home because we're making everything from scratch. We know what it is that we're eating. Whereas here, and we don't, we still don't really eat a whole lot of packaged food, but even cheeses and and crackers and things like at home, we would make our own crackers. So here you're buying something in a store and it's got several different numbers in it. And you don't even really know what those numbers are. And when it comes to kids, I'm very passionate about avoiding things that can, that can be detrimental to your kids' behavior and development and things like that. And I'm definitely no scientist to speak on those things it's all very anecdotal and experience and
2: and some good references (laughs) and good
3: references i guess as well but particularly for me now with these allergies i'm just take me back to the island
2: and katie's talking anaphylaxis admission to hospital yeah. Airways like big, uh, big reactions, not small reactions. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I really hope you figure it out. But the good thing is that when you do get back to the island, you know, you'll be smooth. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> yeah. oh, so do your kids ever make food requests or are they pretty go with the flow like this is what we have right now? Um,
3: Over there, I feel like they're pretty respectful of understanding what we have is what we have. They're very involved with food pre- preparation. So Arlo's been making bread since he was like 18 months old. So, you know, they get involved in making different shapes of bread rolls and he makes himself an A bread roll every now and again. And they're also very heavily involved in gardening. So Jace's mum, Jill, uh, the kid's nana, she is very hands-on with the kids in the garden and in the kitchen. So it's actually a really effective way, I feel, to get the kids to enjoy eating natural produce and things that you know we're taking from the garden when they've they've raised these things from seedlings and then they're seeing the salad growing and looking beautiful the kids both know the difference between you know what's a really healthy growing piece of kale versus one that's struggling in the hydroponics or whatever so um, yeah. And they're, they're also involved in the harvesting. And so that also helps with what you put on the plate and what they want to eat. I think the kids definitely have noticed the element of convenience here in Australia with a few things. It's quite funny the way that they would comment on things here. You know, I think one of the first things that happened, <laughs> Philly spilt some milk and both the kids were like, it's okay, mummy. we're in Aussie that we can get more here there's more milk here. So don't worry. It's okay. We're an Aussie now, which, you know, in the Solomons, if they spilt the soy milk, which we've had to get imported and then air freight. And because Ophelia has some food allergies, she gets a particular type of soy, which is quite expensive over there. So, you know, 14 Australian dollars a litre or something. It's like, you spill that milk, you're licking it off the table. <laughs> like, don't spill that milk. Aww. So they definitely noticed that stuff.
0: Right. Okay. Well, minimalism in our homes is one thing, but you've also talked about minimalism in our lives, in your calendars, how you focus more on nature and fun. So do you have any advice for families on how to introduce a little bit more of minimalism in their lives and why it can bring them so much joy?
3: I guess we can only speak from experience, which is that, I mean, we face all the same challenges that any parents face with toddlers and, and young kids who, you know, can sometimes in inside just feel a bit pent up and frustrated in their own space. And there is something about nature, which I don't know if there's a, a way to explain it, but there's something about being outside and exploring together that just calms children down. And my best bit of advice would be if you're having a hard day with the kids, and they're challenging you then that is the day to just put your shoes on and get outside and if you can't get your shoes on just go outside without your shoes on (laughs) because once you're doing it it makes such a difference doesn't it
2: yeah definitely I think with that when you're planning to be outdoors as well you have to you don't have to plan as much like for us if, if we're inside you know okay, it's, it's this game which will then roll into doing this book-based activity and, like, you're, you're doing 15 things in an hour and a half. Yeah. If we go outside, like, it's a game of gum nuts. Like, in Australia, it would be a game of gum nuts and gum leaves that would evolve and, that, and they, they just take that initiative over themselves and they're just exploring kids explore that's right there um <laughs> yeah like they're just exploring in their minds are, are figuring out and developing the games themselves i actually find it so much easier with the kids if i am ever having trouble it's like okay let's just get out the door doesn't matter because the second you walk out the door things are going be- to get better yeah and I just enjoy it a lot more as well, because you're not, you're not as a parent constantly, constantly anticipating what you need to do next, like you would inside to keep that activity rolling smoothly and, and all that. And,
3: and I think also kids are never too young to appreciate the things that you're interested in. So the easiest way to do anything is to do something that you enjoy doing. So if you're somebody who enjoys just going on a nature walk, go and go on a nature walk and take your children with you and be, really focused on the things that you appreciate in that environment and show them that you'd be amazed what young kids can pick up on Arlo has just blown us away constantly from a very young age the things that he has been able to absorb from the things that we've taught him in nature. And if you're interested in something enough, your kids are gonna be interested in it as well. And that could be the patterns on a leaf. You do not have to have an isolated remote island Mm. (laughs) full of crabs and beautiful coral reef to be exploring outside. It can be in your own backyard. It can be in the park down the street. And we do it here and our kids notice things here that the leaves are different that they're noticing different plants everywhere, that the flowers look different. Or if they're the same. Or if they're the same. So there's endless opportunities to find something interesting so long as you're interested enough to share it with your kids, I think.
2: Mm, For sure.
1: Yeah. I love that. So can you remind everyone today where they can follow along on your adventures?
3: Yeah, so we do have an Instagram account, which is the island life of us. And most of our stories we are sharing now on YouTube in longer videos, which we are loving. um, And our channel name is the island life of us as well.
1: Yes, amazing. I have watched a few of your videos. I want to go back and watch more. I really enjoyed those, especially there's the cooking one that was really cool as well. But all of your adventures are amazing to watch. Okay, so we're gonna end our show. Last time you answered our final question, so we just want to do a round of this or that today. So, are you ready? Ready. (laughs) (laughs) Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sunset. Flowers or trees?
2: Trees. Yeah.
1: I would say flowers just because of the kids. They love flowers. Hiking or surfing? Surfing. Surfing. (laughs) We love
2: hiking as well, though. But that's a no-brainer. It was a
1: hard one, but surfing's too good. Green grass or autumn leaves. Green grass.
2: I don't know that i have ever lived anywhere with autumn leaves. Yeah, I don't leaves. think
1: we've been anywhere that has a proper autumn. Oh, yeah, green, green grass. Green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: really cool to hike in, So when you come to Canada in autumn one day,
3: <laughs> we should yeah. do it. Hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Drive or fly.
3: Drive. I think
2: oh uh oh, drive drive, trip, drive yeah. yeah we just
3: did a road trip and
1: it's a lot of fun
2: we just did 2100 kilometers in the car with the kids
1: <laughs> wow we need you guys back on another episode <laughs> road tripping with kids um okay so beach or mountains beach <laughs> I, I expected that <laughs> uh, new destination or repeat destination yeah
2: yeah, yeah. There's always somewhere else to explore there's oh, too many
1: places back. in the world that's the thing the world is
3: just too big
0: you guys are fascinating i love everything you share and talk about but thank you for all of this today this has been wonderful to share and so inspiring yeah thank you it was lovely to be here again thanks for adventuring with us please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at kids who explore on instagram and all other social media platforms this podcast is produced by kp media productions